Hello, everybody. My name is Reese Karlinski, and this is Young History, episode 92 on Kyrgyzstan. The capital is Bishkek, and the Kyrgyz are the people who live here. They're not Kyrgyzstani or anything like that. It's Kyrgyz. And they have lived here for a very long time. The term means 40, and it is believed that the term Kyrgyz originated because the first 40 tribes to occupy the land were the ones that called and kind of first identified themselves as Kyrgyzstan people, the Kyrgyz. So that's what the name means. And of course, Kyrgyzstan just means land of the Kyrgyz. So that is that. And one of the major cultural pieces for the Kyrgyz is the Manas, which is one of the longest poem epics in the world. It describes a lot of folklore and different stories that have happened according to the Kyrgyz. And it is very big to their culture and many people read it day in, day out, and it's required that you are somewhat familiar with it as a citizen of this country. The culture here is very much focused on dance and celebrations. They're kind of seen as like the party animal of Central Asia because of the fact that they balance their kind of work and fun life so much, less involved with global politics compared to some of the other Central Asian nations. Um, but one of the things in their culture that used to exist for a really long time was this practice where any man who wanted to marry a woman would actually just kidnap her. And this would be done entirely without the woman's consent. So this is very much frowned upon not only by greater society today, but by the entire Kyrgyz society as people have evolved and come to realize that women, of course, deserve a choice in things too. So very odd practice, but it took place for a very long time here. But outside of that odd one, they do maintain a lot of their old cultural traditions going back to the times when the... Kyrgyz were nomads, and a lot of nomad practices happen, and as well as the fact that they actually compete in the Nomad Olympics, which is a thing that occurs in Central Asia, and a bunch of different nomad activities are competed in, and Kyrgyzstan actually has the most wins and golds in this above any other country. So, very interesting stuff. This country is interesting beyond even its crazy name, Kyrgyzstan, which is K-Y-R-G-Y-Z-S-T-A-N, mouthful I know. So, definitely an interesting one. So, we are going to roll on with that and yeah we're gonna do this thing so i'm excited for this one as i am for most of these <laughs> but this is a very unique one so i'm excited for this so one more time thank you all so much for being here my name is reese rylinski and this is young history let's do this thing The Iranian Scythians were the first people to occupy this land. And then not long after them, the Greeks came into the land and started to influence it as well. The clashing cultures of these two people groups definitely left an effect on Kyrgyzstan and their early cultural practices and the way they dress, move, fight, different things like that. And that rolls into the Kyrgyz, which was a Turkish people group that originally came from Eastern Siberia, moving into the land through their nomadic practices. And they were actually swept up into the Uyghur Khaganate in between the period from 744 to 840 CE, because they, in fact, are a kind of Chinese people group that took over a lot of this region in this time period. In 840, the Kyrgyz people actually pushed out the Uyghur influence and sent them to China in order to control their own land and establish their own destiny. The Yenisei Kyrgyz Khaganate was established in 840 and lasted until the mid-1200s. This name kind of is an umbrella for many different individual influences that would come in and out of the land as 
part of Kyrgyzstan was under this genocide Kyrgyz cognate, and other parts of it saw many different powers coming in and out. So we're going to acknowledge all of them in this period. So in the mid-700s, the region came under the influence of the Umayyad Caliphate. The Islamic Empire was based in the Arabic, the Arabian Peninsula, and the Arab conquest of Transoxiana, which is the region encompassing modern-day Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and parts of Kyrgyzstan, was what drew them into this land, and it brought Islam into Central Asia. The Arab forces encountered resistance from local rulers, including the Turkic tribes of the regions, especially the Kyrgyz, and they started to still establish control despite this resistance. Now, there was also the Karluk Khaganate, which was a Turkic state and was one of the more dominant powers in Central Asia as this new power came in. And the Karluk rulers maintained a high level of independence from the Arab Caliphate, often forming alliances with them or opposing them depending on the region and depending on the policies within it. And the Karluk Khaganate's influence extended to parts of Kyrgyzstan and its political and cultural impact on the region was really big as it was the kind of the first major one to establish this nomad Central Asian culture as opposed to just an Arab culture influencing the land. The late 700s also witnessed the emergence of the Tibetan Empire as a major regional power. The Tibetan Empire expanded its influence into Central Asia, including parts of present-day Kyrgyzstan. Tibetan rulers established garrisons and forts in many strategic locations across the borders, and they engaged in political and military campaigns to assert a lot of dominance over the region. From 800 to 900 CE, there was a lot of power shifting, as the region that is now Kyrgyzstan witnessed a decline of the Karluk Khaganate and the rise of the Karakhanid Khanate, and the Karakhanids established their rule and promoted Islam. This led to many cultural and intellectual developments. However, internal and external conflicts eventually led to the fragmentation of this larger empire, and the Kyrgyz people maintained their nomadic lifestyle throughout this period. Then in the next hundred years, the kingdom of Badasagon emerged as an independent power, while the Samanid Empire extended its influence into the region. And this is when the development of commercial exchanges along the Silk Road started to interact with the people in Kyrgyzstan. And Islam actually consolidated under the Quarkhanids, which were a Turkish dynasty that emerged in the late 900s, and they started to establish a lot of dominance in the region. They established their rule over parts of present-day Kyrgyzstan, incorporating it into their empire, which also included most of Central Asia. The Quarkhanids embraced Islam and made it the official region of their entire empire. This promoted the spread of Islam, Islamic education, and the construction of any mosques. The empire also encouraged the use of Arabic script in any important government dealings. And the people witnessed the consolidation of Islamic influence and the development of Islamic culture and scholarship across the region. However, the Quarkhanid Empire did face even more internal conflicts than the previous powers, and the external pressures from other powers, such as the Seljuk Turks and the rising Khwarezmian Empire, were challenging them. And these conflicts with these powers led to the decline of the Quarkhanids by the end of the 1000 CE. The Khwarezmian Empire started to rise throughout the 1100s, and they established a centralized state, embracing Islam and promoting a lot of Persian culture in the region because their origin point was in modern-day Iran, where Persia was. However, in the early 13th century, the, the Khwarezmian Empire faced the Mongol onslaught. The Mongol Empire, led by Genghis Khan and his successors, launched invasions into Central Asia throughout the 1200s. This included the region of modern-day Kyrgyzstan, and the Mongols employed brutal military tactics that led to widespread destruction and the death of millions. The Mongol conquest resulted in the incorporation of the region into the vast Mongol Empire. The Mongols established their rule and implemented a system of governance known as the Wan Dynasty. The region became part of the Shangatai Khaganate, 
which was a Mongol successor state after the greater empire was split up amongst Genghis Khan's children. Mongol dissolution came under the Shangitai Khaganate, which had previously dominated the region. They began to fragment due to many internal conflicts, kind of different royal struggles where people were all vying for the throne, and a lot of general fragmentation because of issues within the smaller states. And this led to the Mongols falling out of power, and then we would see Timur come into land. Timur is one of the most influential figures in Central Asia across all of its history. Timur, commonly known as Tamerlane, was a Turco-Mongol conqueror, and he established his empire, known as the Timurid Empire, or Timur's Empire, across a lot of Central Asia. He conquered vast territories, including parts of modern Kyrgyzstan, and made Samarkand his capital. Under Timur's rule, the region witnessed a period of relative stability and prosperity, but this only came after the brutal takeover of Timur, because he was, in some eyes, even more aggressive than Genghis Khan was. He raised cities to the ground, committed a lot of murder, genocide, and definitely took advantage of a lot of the women that were in the region, as well as enlisting children into the military if he didn't kill them. Very, very brutal ruler, but seeing the stability come during his rule was a benefit, but it came at the cost of a lot of lives as he came into power. And also during his power, being on top of Kyrgyzstan, Timur actually patronized the arts, literature, and Islamic scholarship, and it fostered a cultural renaissance in the region. Samarkand became a center of learning and attracted many scholars, architects, and artists from various parts of the Islamic world to come study at this kind of heart and cultural hub that was becoming present. However, after Timur's death in 1405, the Timurid Empire faced internal conflicts and power struggles among his descendants. This led to the fragmentation of the empire into the smaller Timurid states, known as Timurid principalities, and these smaller states included the Ferengana Valley and the former region that we talked about before of Transoxiana, which included many Central Asian regions, and of course, Kyrgyzstan. Following the fragmentation of Timur's empire, the principalities continued to exert different influence in the region. However, in the early 1400s, the Shaibanids, which were a Turkic Mongol dynasty, rose to prominence and established the Shaibanid Khaganate. The Shaibanid Khanate centered in the Frajana Valley and extended its influence over parts of Kyrgyzstan and other Central Asian nations. And despite being Turkic in their origin, the Shaibanids actually adopted the culture and practices of the Persian societies that had come into the land, including Timur, and they embraced Islam and promoted Persian culture more than anything else. Under the Shaibanids, the region witnessed the further spread and consolidation of Islam, Islamic institutions, and the constructions of mosques, madrasas, and other things. The 15 to 1600s saw the Kyrgyz people settle into the land that now makes up the current borders of the nation, and the Shaibid Khanate began to decline due to more internal conflicts and external pressures, as this region is just very tumultuous, and the different powers that come in to take it over are very frequent, so the ability to hold on to stability is not high at all. And because of the Shaibanid Khanate kind of falling out of power, the Uzbek Khanate ran itself to the top of the ladder and took over power in Central Asia. The Uzbek Khanate, which was led by many different Uzbek tribes, extended its influence and established its rule in Central Asia. It included parts of present-day Kyrgyzstan, as well as Tajikistan and other nations in this southern part of Central Asia. The Uzbeks were really fierce warriors, and they brought political stability to the region as they organized a centralized state that was based on military rule and the expansion of military power. Not long after the Uzbek Khanate was coming to power, it also saw its decline within this kind of same century, 
And as you can imagine, internal conflicts and external pressures did lead to the further decline, and this resulted in a huge power vacuum as the Uzbeks were one of the biggest powers in the region for a long time. And this was when the Kazakh Khanate actually emerged. The Kazakh Khanate, led by the Kazakh tribes, extended its influence and established its rule over parts of present-day Kyrgyzstan. And they carried that kind of same iron fist rule that the Uzbeks had, where it was very focused on how strong you were, what kind of things you could do in your region taking over military, all that stuff. And they were in power for a bit, but that was until the Qing Dynasty actually appeared. The Qing Dynasty in China actually began to exert its influence over Greater Central Asia because they sought to control the trade routes and establish diplomatic relations across the region. And they had an impact on political dynamics of the region, which included present-day Kyrgyzstan. And it was with the help of the Qing Dynasty that the Kyrgyz actually got through a conflict they were going through. The conflict they were having was with the Zungar Khaganate, which was a Mongol-descended Khaganate that started a war with the Kyrgyz in the early 1700s, and it ended in 1755 when the Qing Chinese actually crushed the Khaganate permanently and killed all of their leaders. Then the Khanate of Kokand, which was based in Uzbekistan, took over for most of the 1700s. It was in the late 1700s that the Russian Empire actually began to expand its influence into Central Asia, including the modern territories that encompass Kyrgyzstan. Russian explorers, traders, and military forces gradually made their way into the region. The Russian expansion into Central Asia brought significant changes to the political landscape, and Russian imperial ambitions led to the establishment of forts, trade outposts, and military garrisons. This marked the beginning of Russia's colonization of the region and the subsequent incorporation of Kyrgyzstan into the Russian Empire. Under the Russian Empire, Kyrgyzstan became part of the Russian Turkestan Governate General, and this administration reorganized the government in order to solidify Russian control in a more political and permanent way. The introduction of the Russian administration brought taxation, legal systems, and the transformation of overall Kyrgyz society. Traditional institutions and power structures were gradually suppressed by Russian institutions, and the Kyrgyz people had to navigate how to maintain who they were while being under this giant power regime that definitely wanted to change their culture. And the expansion of Russian influence also brought a lot of Russian settlers into the land and just general immigrants in as well. So this led to the demographic shifts happening across Central Asia and new interactions happening very commonly between the Kyrgyz, Central Asians, and the Russians. And this is the first time we actually see the Kyrgyz people actually feel some restriction as the Kyrgyz people throughout all these empires that had come in and out always maintained their way of life, very much sticking to their nomadic roots. But it was under the Russian Empire that traditional nomadic practices faced a lot of challenges as the Russian administration encouraged them to be sedentary and wanted them to adopt more agricultural practices to feed their empire rather than be nomads that moved around and weren't easily controllable. It was in the late 1890s that the rise of nationalist movements became more pronounced throughout various parts of Central Asia, especially among the Kyrgyz people. Intellectuals and activists emerged who advocated for cultural preservation, higher education, and political autonomy within their nation. And these movements aimed to protect and promote Kyrgyz independence, as well as fight against Russian colonization. In the early 1900s, the Russian Empire faced the increasing social and political unrest not only abroad, but internally. As they had many revolutions occur, in 1917, the Russian Revolution led to the overthrow of the monarchy and the establishment of a provisional government of Russia, and the Central Asian territories and Kyrgyzstan became embroiled in a huge revolutionary wave that swept across the region. Central Asian Revolt of 1916 saw many Central Asian people groups stand up against Russian rule in an attempt to gain hegemony and autonomy. 
but the resistance was crushed fully by the Russian Empire, and Russian rule continued throughout the 1900s. This carried right into the Soviet era. In 1924, Soviet authorities reorganized the territories of Central Asia and established the Kyrgyz Autonomous Soviet Socialist Republic, Kyrgyz ASSR. With the newly formed Soviet Union, things would start to change. The Kyrgyz ASSR experienced significant transformations, agricultural, Collection policies were changed, as now all things were going towards the government, which went straight towards Russia, and huge industrial relations swept across the nation. The region's national resources started to be exploited in the name of bettering the Union, and took a lot away from the people and caused their nomadic way of life to really struggle, as now Kyrgyz just really didn't have their cultural identity they used to have. They had a lot of it taken away from them because of the Russian rule of the empire, and now the Soviets were being even more restrictive. But on the other hand, during the Soviet era, educational and cultural institutions were developed because the Kyrgyz did the cultural ones in resistance, and the educational ones were funded by the government to have a better educated society to advance the Soviet Union. And it was by the people that the Kyrgyz language was standardized and promoted, in spite of the Soviet regime suppressing nationalist movements in any way they could. And the borders that the Soviets drew created many enclaves of Soviet states within each other. For example, in South Kyrgyzstan, there is many... Uzbek enclaves, and this can be seen throughout Kyrgyzstan and throughout a lot of Central Asia, and this is going to be a problem in the future that we will talk about. In 1936, the Kyrgyz ASSR was elevated to the status of full Soviet Socialist Republic, known as the Kyrgyz Soviet Socialist Republic. Kyrgyz, it stayed a part of the Soviet Union until it fell apart in 1991, but it was in the late 1980s that as the Soviet Union faced a lot of political and economic crises, crises that the growing desire for greater autonomy and overall nationalism just increased in the, among the Kyrgyz people. And Kyrgyzstan independence, so this led to the democratic movement gaining a lot of momentum, which led to the declaration of independence by Kyrgyzstan on August 31st, 1991, following the collapse of the Soviet Union. Askar Akayev was the first president. And post-independence, things were okay for a while, but it started to look really grim when an economic turn highlighted the issues with the government and the country overall, as it was becoming very clear to the people that corruption had not been purged from their nation yet. In the early 2000s, the economy started to take a downward turn, and Kyrgyzstan faced challenges in establishing a stable political system and implementing effective government control. Corruption, economic inequality, and ethnic tensions remained a very persistent issue. In 2005, Kyrgyzstan witnessed the Tulip Revolution, also known as the March Revolution, where widespread protests erupted in response to the allegations of electoral fraud. The demonstrations led to the resignation of President Askar Akayev, who had been in power since the country's independence. This revolution resulted in a transition of power and a new government led by Kermenbek Bakiev. And the Bakiev government initially promised democratic reforms and an end to the corruption. However, over time, it faced a lot of criticism for its very autocratic tendencies and its lack of transparency about elections and how different things were going on. The country was beginning to face a lot more social economic challenges, and protest movements once again grew. This was in 2010, when Kyrgyzstan witnessed another revolution known as the April Revolution, or the Second Kyrgyz Revolution. Widespread protests took the nation by storm. Of course, these were with the backbone of fear of corruption, economic hardship, and the authoritarian rule of Bakiev being challenged. The protests started to turn very violent, leading to clashes between security forces and the protesters. And this revolution resulted in the overthrowing of another president, this time it was Kermenbek Bakiev. And this was when, it, following this, an interim government would come into power, and this marked a period of political transition, move towards constitutional reforms, and the adoption of a parliamentary system for the first time in Kyrgyzstan. In the late 2010s, things started to shift once again. After the April 2010 revolution, the nation adopted a new constitution in a national referendum, and the new constitution introduced a parliamentary system. After the April revolution of 2010, political
political stability remained elusive, and the country faced frequent changes in government and leadership. Multiple governments were formed and dissolved, often due to the power struggles, disagreements, endless allegations of corruption. This period saw a lot of coalition governments come into power, with not a single party being able to maintain a dominant position or any stability. Protests continued to be a major feature of politics in Kyrgyzstan, as people always wanted a change in government response to various issues that were going on. And these protests often led to the resignation of government officials and the formation of new governments. The country faced even more economic challenges than it had before because now there was high unemployment rates, widespread poverty, and a reliance of remittances from migrant workers. And remittances is when a person leaves their country, works on another one, and sends money back, which is something your nation should not depend on. It's something that could help you, but it should not be dependent upon. And this is also when we see tensions start to really grow between the Kyrgyz and Uzbek communities, because they had a lot of ethnic tensions, different beliefs, practice Islam a different way. And although things weren't huge, there was definitely small clashes and tensions started to rise as the government tried to promote inter-ethnic harmony, but it just wasn't working. In 2017, a constitutional referendum took place. It included further change to the political system. The the referendum aimed to strengthen the powers of the prime minister and shift towards a parliamentary republic. However, these changes did not fully solve the political challenges that Kyrgyzstan faced and led to even more protests and people being upset still. But on an international scale, Kyrgyzstan was starting to work a lot in its foreign relations. It maintained relationships with multiple regional and international powers such as Russia, China, and the United States. The country was a member of several international organizations such as the Commonwealth of Independent States, the CIS, and the Shanghai Corporation Organization. And this country had been in economic struggle for a long time and was not helped at all because of COVID-19, which slowed down its trade and agriculture, which was one of its major economic sectors. And this, the struggle from it, all of the result of COVID resulted in the Kyrgyz Revolution of 2020. The Kyrgyz Revolution of 2020, also called the October Revolution, followed once again disputed elections and widespread allegations of electoral corruption in October of 2020. In the election, several opposition parties claimed that the elections were rigged in favor of the parties to close out the government, and these allegations sparked widespread public discontent and led to massive protests demanding the annulment of the election results. Protesters took to the streets in the capital city of Bishkek and other major cities across the nation. They expressed their anger over the alleged electoral fraud and demanded political reform. The uns the protesting and general unrest resulted in the resignation of the then-president, Soran Bey Jinbekov, who had been in office since 2017. The acting president, Sadir Japarov, was subsequently released from prison by his supporters and assumed power not long after. Japarov had been imprisoned for his involvement in the kidnapping of the regional governor in 2013, but his release was demanded by the protesters during the unrest. After the revolution, Japarov was appointed as the acting president, and early presidential elections were scheduled for January of 2021. In these elections, Japarov was elected as the president of Kyrgyzstan officially, and he received a significant majority of the vote. And a thing to keep in mind is that this revolution in 2020 was the third time in 15 years that the Kyrgyzstan citizens had to overthrow their president because of the things that were going on. So things were very shifty, and politically they are still very shifty here today. And I do want to acknowledge the Tajik Kyrgyz issues that are going on because there have been border issues between these nations since the dissolution of the Soviets and borders being drawn between the two. Since 2021, there have been clashes between villagers in both of these countries as there is Tajikistan exclaves within Kyrgyzstan. And there's been clashes. Sometimes it was villagers and sometimes it's gotten really aggressive between small paramilitary groups fighting. And this has led to the two countries look to really demarcate their borders in order to de-escalate the tensions. But they are also kind of hiding tensions because there is an investigation between these two nations 
about who was at fault during the clashes of early 2021. And that gets us to the present, where Kyrgyzstan is marked as a developing nation, and it has a medium index rating on the Human Development Index. Kyrgyzstan is trying to figure a way through a lot of its political turmoil and actually get itself to a politically stable place, but it's been hard with the different rulers that have come in and the different ways elections have been stolen, the corruption accusations, lots of things like that. But despite all this struggle, the culture in Kyrgyzstan is very strong. As I said, they are kind of seen as a party capital of Central Asia. They are very focused on their dancing. They love the energy of getting people together. They're very big on their connections because nomadic lifestyle doesn't come with much outside of your family. So family is very important to the Kyrgyz and they celebrate it all the time by going out with their friends, their family and dancing the night away. So they are very much proud of their culture. As I said, they win the nomad games very often, which are kind of like the nomad Olympics. They're very proud of who they are. They're holding on to their culture well, even after close to a century of suppression under the Russians. So things are good and to this day their relations with the region are good there's just a little bit of clashing with Tajikistan but their biggest issue lies inside where Kyrgyzstan really needs to figure out how it's going to get through all the things it's struggling with when it comes to political and economic stability and that gets us to the end where I always like to leave it with kind of a takeaway or a mindset and with Kyrgyzstan that's going to be really embrace your culture no matter what and that doesn't for me just mean national identity and kind of you know where you're from if you're Italian or if you're Hispanic or if you're going like kind of racial culture if you're trying to relate to your roots as a black person or your Asian roots anything like that I mean that yes but I also mean kind of the culture you establish as yourself with the Kyrgyz they've maintained their specific nomadic culture and all the things that have come with that for hundreds of years even getting to thousands at this point I say with you and the advice I kind of try and apply to myself is you can establish a culture anywhere you are. Your What kind of culture you have at work, what kind of culture you have in your relationship, what kind of culture you have day to day, when it's looked through the lens of whoever it is you're trying to be and whatever area it is. So I say with you, always hold on to what matters to you most if it is contributing to your culture. And I mean not only that as if you're Italian or something else, if you're Kyrgyz, anything of the sort. I mean that, yes, but I also mean establish a culture you want to and hold on to it. Because if you are someone who has this kind of established culture in your job of really high quality, hard work, always on time, stick to it. Don't let things push you around. If being on time is part of the culture you maintain, maintain it. Don't let someone push you around and try and get you to give up on it. That can be applied in many areas. That's just the one that came to my head. And I say that because you can establish a culture in any area of your life and that will be your standard. And don't fall below your standard ever. And if you do, just adjust and get back to it. Don't let yourself lose it ever, no matter what anyone says. And that's it for me. That was all I can say for Kyrgyzstan, and that was my takeaway. And I very much hope you guys enjoyed. Kyrgyzstan is one of the most obscure nations on Earth. I think if I asked every one of the 8 billion people on Earth to point out Kyrgyzstan, you would not get a very high percentage pointing it out right or even understanding what I just asked them because it is a hard word to say. Very hard to spell, too. So hopefully this was good for you all. I hope you had a great time. I hope you learned something. If not, either way, thank you for being here because I hope you got something out of it. So... One more time, my name is Reese Garlinski, this is Young History, and that was Kyrgyzstan. You guys have a good one.